0: You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here is your host, it's Mr. Carl Stebbings. No.
1: Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to episode number... You do
0: that to me. Just before you hit the record button, you make me laugh every single time. And <laughs> It's all part of the fun of the I'm, show. Yes, dear listener, I'm so sorry.
1: So welcome to episode number 65 Indeed. of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings, and joining me in my kitchen studio again this week is Matt. Hello, Matt. How
0: are good morning. You? Good morning. Yes, I'm very good. Thank you. Good. Good. A little good. better than you for a change. Yes, <laughs> I feel like feel like um, um, an uncharged um, um, battery. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A rather late night but, last but night. But we won't talk about batteries because we've no. had a, we've had a couple of technical dramas in the studio this morning. Oh yes, we definitely have. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now we've, Matt, Matt's here though, so that's good because he sorts them out. Yeah. yeah, that's why he's here, Mr. <laughs> oh, IT. Oh, charming! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's the only reason I'm here. No, no, no. Just fortunately for you your make good voice. coffee. It's yeah. good coffee you make, sir. So it, right. It's your
1: voice. You're, you're yeah. here for your
0: voice. <laughs> oh, you smoothie! Your passengers must love you on the coach. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't say
1: a word to them. Oh. Okay, <laughs> complete silence. So it is June the twenty-first, and the time's just coming up to. Just on 20 past 10 in the morning. Yes, Sunday. Yes, Sunday morning. We're recording on a Sunday this week Mm. just for a change.
0: And for all listeners out there, of course, any, any of those who are dads, of course, it's Father's Day. Yes, so happy is.
1: Father's Day. Yes, happy Father's Day. Yes. Dad, if you're listening to this, happy Father's Day really? to you. Is he likely to be doing that? He might do. I'll tell him to listen to oh, this right. episode. <laughs> I'll send yeah. him the link. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. But in just send, just send him the, the section with his, you know, <laughs> greeting in so that yes, he doesn't... Good idea.
1: So he's not asleep all afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> good idea. Good idea. So we have got um, quite a few news stories this week we have, yep. to get through. And we also have a segment from Pilot did as yes. well and uh yeah we've uh we're we're sort yeah. of gearing up really aren't we We've got yeah. react next month yes really looking, um, I'm really looking forward to actually yeah. meeting pip for for real actually it's yes yes we're going to meet me meet yeah. i know pip. you've met him before but it's... no i haven't met pip. oh have not only oh, no no, oh. We, no we need chatted oh yes yeah no we, we're we both going to be meeting pip for the first mm. time yeah um which will be great we're looking forward mm. to that
0: got some great ideas so it should be should be a couple of good shows come out of that though, so. yeah. yeah 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 hopefully yeah. that'll be brilliant we're gonna
1: do one saturday night well, we could do, yeah, yeah. We could do live from the B and B from the bed Might freak out the other residents. Maybe yeah, yeah. we'll have to go do it in the van. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> That will look rather
0: yeah, interesting. It's yes, yes. morning. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Right. Well, you, well, you've got a mast on the
1: roof of the van. I mean, oh, you I could know. do a live broadcast. <laughs> well, it is the TriStar van. It is the TriStar van. Oh, just yes. moving on a bit of aviation um, um Oh, really? Oh, okay. oh, no, no. Well, you know about this anyway. Um, so oh, yes. I, 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 I've got recently purchased off um, the wonderful site that is eBay. The Bay of E. Um, yes, yes uh, some uh, Caledonian Airways uh, teaspoons. Oh, yes. <laughs> I thought you were actually going to mention your your far more um, awesome news. No, which I'll, was, I'll, I'll wait for that.
2: Okay. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Oh, now, sorry.
1: I, I. Spoiler alert. I, in my in my love in my love of the Lockheed L ten eleven star, yes. I managed to find on on eBay some uh, a seller selling some uh, Caledonian Airways spoons, mm. and um, <laughs> I I, just... I purchased quite a lot of them. I did. <laughs> uh, much I to my wife's um, horror, I should horror. imagine. <laughs> Um, but they're awesome, and and they're they th- from the sort of seventies era when the uh, yes. the uh, Tristar was being flown by um, British Caledonian right. or Caledonian Airways. I,
0: I I don't know what to say sometimes. It's,
1: it's like this packet arrived and he sort
0: of opened it with alarming excitement yeah. because it was a Monday because I was over here on the Monday, yeah. wasn't I? Uh, having a look at the new house. And um yes it was uh, I've never seen it was like a kid in a sweet shop. I've no. never known anyone get so excited about teaspoons ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> note, they've got the
1: Caledonian logo on them. So such a, such a geek. <laughs> moving on to the piece of news that Matt, oh, Matt oh, was referring to. Oh right. I um I sat my air law exam mm. on uh Friday. Yes. Friday um afternoon. That's right. And passed. Yay! Um, yes. So, um round, um, round of applause for me. A round of applause, yeah, for, indeed, me. applause for me. Ah! Yes. Ah! Yes. Sorry. yes, yes, I so passed. It was, um, it was... God, it was... It, oh, everyone says it's the hardest exam yeah. um, when you're learning to fly the air law, the first yeah, yeah, one yeah. you have to pass. And um, oh, it is... It, it definitely is. is hard, yeah. It's hideous.
0: Well, we won't mention the mark that you got specifically, but no. suffice <laughs> to say, it was...
1: A lot better Adequate. than it needed to be. Yes. Let's put it that way. Yes, so yes, it was, yes. It, was a, it was a very acceptable result. Yes, yes. yes. For <laughs> those of you uh, who are student pilots or trainee pilots in the UK, will know you have to get a seventy-five percent or more mm. pass mark. Yes. To and pass you, your it, error. it was very much more than that. So yeah. yeah, slightly. More. Well done. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I, um, happy days. But I will say, uh, do you know, when you uh, for anyone learning to fly out there who's who's going to take um, take your tests, mm. um, these written exams which you have to take, they're good. They're multiple choice. So yeah, you know, you're not left in the dark. Always, please make sure you read, read the, the question, question. Yeah. read the answers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because the, I, I actually got two questions wrong. <clears throat> And those two questions I got wrong were ones that I'd actually got on my notes, mm. written the answers down for really? in my study notes. Uh, Your you're in in instructor front of me. must have been livid. <laughs> he, was, um, he, he wasn't impressed. No. no, I can imagine. And, and I kicked myself because <laughs> yes. I just couldn't believe I got them wrong. But oh, you passed. That's but I passed, amazing. yes. And, I you, passed. and you passed with flying colours. So yes. 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 So I'm looking forward to my next flight, which yeah. will be in. Got one next, booked week, in. I next week. week? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I'm taking my cousin flying <gasps> next week. Ooh. Um, when am I coming no, this is, I have to go with an instructor still. Oh, yeah, okay. I can't, can't take people on my own right. okay. um, yet yeah. until um, yeah. he pass. But no, I'm taking an instructor <laughs> and I'm taking my cousin who's flying back from Australia. You're not um, flying back from Australia. No, right? no, 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 <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure your little Cessna will not
0: handle no. that. <laughs> She's flying, flying with Qantas. So that would be quite um. nice.
1: Um, Oh, we better start the news We had, hadn't we? Yes, a busy show Yes, we've got a section from Pip coming up shortly So we're going to start the uh, show off then As we always do each week with our rundown of the weekly news From around the world and the UK So if you're ready, Matt Always Let's go Drink paint, you know. Not paint. Okay. <laughs> Hideous start to the uh, news segment there. Um, yes, we're just discussing painting and decorating Indeed. there <laughs> during the jingle. Um, right, so first news story this week. Indeed. And uh, kicking off on the Manchester Evening News uh, website. And uh, this one is regarding luxury uh, jet company NetJets Europe. Oh. And they're launching a uh, new plane at Manchester Airport. So NetJets Europe, um, backed by tycoon Warren Buffett's or Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, introduced the new European Signature Series Bombardier Challenger 350 plane at the Business Aviation Center and invited the MEN along for a quick trip to Ireland. The world's largest uh, private jet company, backed by one of the wealthiest people on the planet, launched a new luxury aircraft at Manchester Airport. NetJets Europe, backed by the tycoon, uh, introduced the Signature Series Bombardier Challenger 350 plane um, and invited uh, the chaps from MEN uh, for a trip to Ireland. And the company offers uh, a wealth of clients the chance to fly in style with uh, 25 and 50-hour jet cards on offer. Uh, A bit like pay-as-you-go. You You can sort of uh, pay your money (laughs) and uh, have a quick... But it's done by hours rather than sort of miles. But the firm's uh, real aim is to have clients become part owners in planes. Well, that'd be nice. Mm. With a whole range of services on offer uh, for those who become part of the elite club. You own a share in a specific plane but have access to the whole fleet and everything is run for you. It's about being part of the family and making most of being part of the family and you get more for your money. Added bonuses include regular social events. Uh, Recent ones have included tennis lessons with Novak Dojovic, grub with Heston Blumenthal, and skiing with the Austrian ski team. So the Challenger 350 seats up to 10 passengers in ultimate comfort and can take them all over Europe, North Africa, and the Middle East. This plane will set you back a cool $25 million or £16 million. Hmm. But you can buy shares from a quarter down to one-sixteenth of a share. Prices entirely depend on where you go as part of your deal and the hours you need. Pilots, who, uh, who, of many of whom have come from military backgrounds, can fly clients to more than 5,000 destinations and can even change route during their flight. The company already has 75 of the new Challenger 350 jets, which customers can request with just 10 hours' notice. Hmm. The planes boast uh, iPads, Blu-ray players, HD monitors, uh, bed, fully stocked drinks cabinet and staff on board, if you choose, and to assist you uh, during the flight. The launch event included an hour-long trip to Ireland with the MEN aboard to sample the NetJet experience. Brunch was made by Michelin starred chef Simon Rogan Ooh, he's and good, came man. from the uh, and came from the French. His luxury restaurant in the Midland Hotel. Mm. Alistair Fox, vice president at NetJets Europe, said NetJets has always been well received in Manchester, and the airport here is a key location for us to serve our customers based in the northwest. On board, senior vice president Michael Graham said it's all about giving our clients truly bespoke service. They can request a flight with 10 hours' notice and change where they're going while they're still in the air. Businessmen can visit three cities in one day across Europe and still be home in time to put their kids to bed. That must be a nightmare request for, for the
0: pilot, though, to ch- to decide that they're going to change route mid-air. It,
1: I'll tell you what, it's Because nice. that
0: must be a minefield of of rescheduling flight plans and mm. and all that kind of thing. Now I must admit that is a very they're they're very nice looking planes because this is these are the sorts of planes that Pip flies, aren't they? They're 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 same sort of size,
1: similar sort of size plane, yeah, to uh, to what Pip flies, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, what, no, what I've never seen inside. They look amazing. They look amazing. They do look <laughs> do, nice, don't they? To be fair, my house. <laughs> I know, and to have to be able to have the money just to to be able to say, I'd, I'd love yeah. to say. In so uh, September, mm. you, know, you, know, you know, we're not flying the easy jet now. No, we we're, no. we're, we're having our own jet no. to Malta.
0: So I'm guessing by that you weren't the Euro Millions winner then. N- oh, no the, the UK based but no national. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Kept that under your hat. I couldn't you? even win an egg and spoon race, let alone... No, no, Larry. no, indeed. No, a great story, though, and good news for Manchester and, and well and well done to NetJets. It's mm. uh, uh, all, all good. It's terrifying numbers, though, isn't it? Mm. You know, mm. it's like 16 million pounds. for. I mean, I, I suppose if you've got that kind of money, it's not God, really that much money. money yeah. I know, but uh, well, well and you, you need it to be a little bit opulent and beautiful inside, really, for that kind oh, yes. of money, don't you? Oh, yes. <laughs> anyway, on to the next story. This is uh, been specifically chosen for me by the look of it. It's my friend's Ryanair. Fury over Ryanair's family tax father's anger after Budget Airline demands extra money so his three-year-old daughter doesn't have to sit on her own on a flight from Portugal. Ryanair are being accused of hammering families with a so-called family tax after telling the parents of a three-year-old girl they needed to pay extra if they wanted to sit beside her on a three-hour flight home from Portugal. The budget airline said that there was nothing they could do to help Chris and Kim Parr after splitting up their booking, so their daughter Lily was sat by herself for the far-outer far Liverpool flight because they hadn't forked out extra to reserve specific seats. Staff at the notoriously no-frills carrier insisted that the Chorley family seats couldn't be moved without policeman Chris and solicitor wife Kim stumping up an additional fee. What absolute nonsense. Uh, That was despite their reservation being made on a single booking paid for in a single transaction. Chris only realised Toddler Lily was placed in a seat elsewhere on the plane four days before their flight home when he printed off his family's boarding passes in the portuguese resort of villamora despite pleading with ryanair staff on twitter the 33 year old was refused the chance to have any of his seats reassigned unless he stumped up a fee his case has raised concerns that parents are being punished financially by the airline purely for having children. Chris told MoneySavingExpert.com, "It's incredulous an airline should seat a three-year-old away from her parents. On booking the tickets, Ryanair were aware of the ages of the children. So why wouldn't it leave a three? So why on earth would it leave a three-year-old on their own?" Um, speaking to MailOnline, 9 he added, it just seems so ludicrous that they even consider put doing something like this. It was all booked at the same time, on the same booking, so there was no reason for us to, to be split up on the plane. It basically translates as, if you want to sit together, then you're going to have to pay the money. It's a family tax. As it stands, the only way to guarantee a reservation uh, is sat together on a Ryanair flight is to pay between 5 99 and 8 99 per person cost varies depending on the route and the details of the booking otherwise the carrier is at liberty to assign passengers any available seat on board their aircraft having assumed their seats would be beside each other chris didn't see the need to pay any additional cost now i'm kind of with them on that one i'm rather surprised that when you did this when you cuz pres- presumably he checked all three in at the same time as yeah. well um, I can't see any logical reason other than the system splitting you up on purpose to encourage you to then book your seat. I mean, I can't think of any other reason why that the system must have done that on purpose. But the the, the 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 you know the the booking the the, the check in system on the website must have split them up on purpose.
1: But this isn't the first. I mean, we've seen this so many times mm. now in the last few yeah. week or months, haven't we? Where the, yeah. the situations like this happen, and now yeah. I could understand
0: and, it if it was just behind. Mm, you know, so if yeah. if it was just that you you've been you, you they were allocated in sequence. So you had seats, um, you know, C uh, or, or B and C, and then the child was D. So it would either be behind you or on the row next to you, or. Something like that. It, it, it is. Um, I think
1: uh, well, you just can't have a three-year-old child sitting on their own. I don't understand <laughs> why. Well, you wouldn't anyway. If you are a parent and you're boarding no. a plane and your your child was going to have to sit away from you, you'd mm. kick up a stink and and they'd move. They'd move you. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure the cabin crew would move you and, yeah. and seat you to get someone would move. But maybe the mistake he made was mm. was was being honest and
0: upfront about it at the beginning, which is mm. a terrible thing to say. I know, but they um, say so I can't imagine the. The flight crew and I mean I would happily exchange my seat. if, oh, yeah, if you as, know I'd yeah. happily move even if it meant that I was sitting on my own. I would happily as would all that. our listeners. Well, yes, exactly. Mm, yes. So, uh, well, not not uh, not not cricket Ryanair, not cricket
1: at all. So, moving on to Indeed. our yeah. next story, yeah. and this one on Business Traveller website mm-hmm. and uh, Air Canada. And Air Canada are going to add a Boeing 787-8 on the Calgary to Heathrow route. Uh, So from January the 28th and – oh, sorry, moving on. Here we go. Back to the story. I scrolled down (laughs) a bit too far there. Yes, the Air Canada are going to roster a Boeing 787-8 on uh, the Calgary to London Heathrow route from early next year, 2016. Mm -hmm. The carrier currently operates 11 weekly services between the two cities, and uh, from January the 28th until March the 26th, it will add the Dreamliner to flights uh, with the code Alpha Charlie 850 and 851. Uh, It's unclear whether this will continue into the summer season next year and outbound service uh, Alpha Charlie 850 departs Calgary International Airport at uh, 10 past 6 in the evening and arrives in London at 10 past 10 in the morning the next day. On Mondays, the flight will leave Calgary at 7 in the evening and land at uh, 11am in the morning the next day uh the reserve, return service uh, alpha charlie 851 takes <laughs> off from heathrow at uh, half one in the afternoon and arrives in calgary at uh, 1530 or 330 in the afternoon the uh, f- uh, following day and this schedule applies to every day this is just another um you know this is another airline using the 787s on a mm. on a on a long distance route yeah um, air canada using uh, this particular you know the 787-8 and i i think it's good it's, it's a lot of airlines now we keep reading every week are mm. starting to roster the 787s on these long distance routes and i think they're replacing the um you know the we've said before replacing the sort of the the four engine aircraft mm. such as yeah. the a340s and um and the 747 400s
0: so so the seven seven eight seven 787-8 uh, how does that differ to the dreamliner then that is a dream. That liner. is the line, dreamliner. <laughs> okay, blimey. Well, no, it's just the long moment. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish. Look, look. Sorry. I'm still learning, listeners. I know, I'm very sorry. It's a, it's, a, it's a, right. Okay. It's just i would never heard it called a seven eight seven eight. I'd only ever heard it, heard mm-hmm. it referred to as a, as a Dreamliner up till up oh, till okay. this very moment. In my defence, not so, that it is a very good. So send defense. your send your emails in yes, to, uh, my, Matt. Yes, yes. In yes in the studio. I, I, I welcome any abuse. Um, uh, <laughs> And, uh, and uh, your- actually, on, on that note, I should just apologise, a little hiccup there, because we've we've had some rather technical issues this morning, and poor Carlos is having to use a Mac for the very first time yeah, this I'm morning. Yeah, I'm using a Mac So it's, it's all a bit strange for him, which is... Uh, hell- I'm having a, I'm having a huge laugh at his expense, it has to be said. But it, <laughs> I think it's
1: just the fact that I'm getting used to scrolling yeah, down to scroll, go yeah, up, or yeah. up to go yeah. down. See, yeah,
0: it's-, it's logical, though, because if you want to move the page up, you're moving
1: the page up. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. If I turn my mouse around the other way. You, you could do work. that.
0: Yeah, you could try. Go on, give it a go. Oh. No, that's not working at all. No. <laughs> it really no. Is. no. <laughs> You've broken it now. Oh, no. oh, okay. <laughs> How quirky. So moving on. Anyway, <laughs> yes. Moving on to matters at hand. This is on the website airtrafficmanagement.net and the headline is EasyJet support Airbus early fault prognosis. European low-cost carrier EasyJet is to study fault prognosis capabilities uh, to enhance Airbus's maintenance and services. Airbus solutions for prognosis maintenance include services and e-solutions, which can receive real-time information from aircraft systems via the ACARS messaging system. This information is then analysed with fault predictions sent to the airline's operations team so that they can use it to troubleshoot technical faults as soon as the plane lands or schedule the work into its regular maintenance. As part of the initiative, EasyJet and Airbus will study enhanced prognosis capabilities using an extended repository in which to collate data from the worldwide in-service A320 fleet, from EasyJet's fleet and also from Airbus' own operational benchmark analysis. The resultant data lake will subsequently be processed using innovative algorithms. Overall, the enhanced prog- uh, prognose- prognostic Sorry. the Overall, the enhanced prognostic capability would benefit airlines by further enabling their engineering departments to plan for co- component replacements before issues arise and identify possible actions to improve fleet operational performance and decrease maintenance costs. Jan Barback, uh, that's the Airbus Chief uh, Innovation Officer, said, we are proud to collaborate with EasyJet as part of our co-innovation initiative, which sees Airbus working jointly in a very open way with customers and suppliers on projects which will add real value to both parties by refining products and services together ian davies head of engineering for EastJet, commented prognosis systems already transform the way that the, we maintain our aircraft and the data obtained enables us to predict potential issues before they arise or start a troubleshooting program before the aircraft even lands he added, though this proof of concept, uh, through this proof of concept, we aim to enhance capabilities of modern prognostic systems with the objective to further improve our Airbus fleet's operational efficiency. I'm surprised this isn't being done before, especially given the fact that you're getting live data pinged backwards and forwards from the aircraft straight back to the to sort of, you know, HQ um, whilst you're in the air. I'm surprised it's sort of... Um, so innovative, if you if you like,
1: I mean, no, it's a brilliant idea. Is it really? A yeah, cars is such a, a fantastic mm. system the way it works. Yeah. You know, well, and it, you're compa- you're comparing not only the, the data from EasyJet's flights, but obviously, presumably
0: that the information that Airbus receives obviously is coming mm. from all clients. And then, so as you say, literally it makes perfect sense. You can you can see faults, sort of, you know, build, building.
1: You know what's coming. Yeah. You can almost predict. What, what's going to need to be looked at And it's at good next. for the airlines if they've got mm. an aircraft coming in that's got a, you yeah. know, a, a slight technical fault that mm. uh, when an aircraft lands, yeah. they can quickly they can send, get it put send right. the right guys out, the yeah. right tools, the right yeah. equipment, the right parts yep. and get the aircraft back in service in in, in seconds yeah. rather or you know in, in in a much
0: much shorter turnaround time because as
1: we all know an aircraft on the ground is not making money no indeed no, no.
0: And, and it usually involves uh, very angry passengers yes if yes. it should have been in the air
1: <laughs> <laughs> so next story indeed. is on the star.com business mm. and um WestJet Uh, to fly to London Gatwick Airport. So WestJet Airlines will fly to London Gatwick's airport beginning in spring 2016 as part of its international expansion. WestJet Airlines uh, will be flying across the pond in spring to London Gatwick's airport as it begins uh, operating a small number of wide-bodied jets.
0: Is it across the pond? Have we got that right this time? Yeah, I think it's across the pond. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Because we we don't want letters. No, no, no.
1: (laughs) Don't upset Jenny. No, (laughs) no, 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 absolutely not. The Calgary-based airline has begun flights uh, to Europe, but its maiden fleet of Boeing 737 airplanes cannot make the non-stop trip from Toronto due to range limitations. Last year, WestJet began to fly to Dublin from St John, Newfoundland, and this year it launched service to Glasgow from Halifax. This news marks the next phase in the international portion of our strategic plan, said Bob Cummings, Cummings, WestJet's uh, executive vice president, commercial in a news release. WestJet is at the right scale to make this step in our evolution. The airline declined to name specific departure cities or prices, saying details will come later in the summer. The ability to fly non-stop from Toronto would certainly be an advantage. Air Canada has also increased its route network to include international destinations in Europe using its uh, leisure airline, Rouge. As well, uh, Air Canada has uh, deployed its new Boeing 787 Dreamliners on routes to cities in Asia. Talking uh, to the international skies, or taking, sorry, to the international skies, uh, is uh, a natural progression for WestJet, which started as a small, low-cost airline focused on domestic Canadian market. It then expanded into the United States and sun destinations in Mexico and the Caribbean. It has since launched a regional airline known as WestJet Encore, which expects to have 36 Q400 turboprops by 2017, flying short-haul flights feeding into the uh, the network in bigger hub cities. WestJet is scheduled to deploy the first of four 767s later this summer. It will use the 767s on flights between Calgary and Edmonton in uh, to Honolulu and Maui over the winter season. The wide-bodied planes will include 24 seats uh, in plus category aimed at the business traveller and 238 seats uh, in the main economy cabin. Uh, Well managed and efficient airports like Gatwick are ideal for low cost airlines like WestJet, says Chris Avery, WestJet's vice president of network planning alliances uh, and corporate development uh, in the news release. We love Gatwick as a convenient airport with the great connectivity to London City of central London and access to other low cost airlines flying to points in Europe and beyond. About 45 airlines use Gatwick, which is about 45 kilometres south of London, including discount carrier EasyJet, Ooh, there we mm-hmm. uh, whose passengers represent 41% of all passengers wow. at the airport. What, e- e-
0: EasyJet's passengers account for 41% of all passengers? That's
1: quite large. <laughs> that's terrifying. That's quite huge. That is, that is quite huge. That's a massive yeah, yeah. number. Is
0: that, are we sure that's
1: right? Well, that is what it says. Wow. Yeah no but, it's, i was just WestJet just just sort of bit of oh, information. Yeah, back, oh, back, back to the story <laughs> back to the WestJet um uh, at Christmas time hmm. tend to release these really really good um like um Deals. Christmas adverts. Oh right. Yeah um and they yeah, you'll have to go if mm. you google them uh on YouTube or whatever mm-hmm. you look up okay. them on YouTube. WestJet uh, have these awesome um Christmas videos where they have like a an airport the big mm. uh, big screen and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. passengers walk up to the screen and and um, they can sort of see Santa and stuff sitting oh, there, and cool. um, and the the kids get loads of presents. It's, it's brilliant. I you, well, I shall
0: I, I shall sh- sh- YouTube it during, during the coffee jacket. break. Yes. Oh really? Yeah. Oh no, no, don't. I'm a bit emotional anyway. Don't. Oh, <laughs> don't set me off. Oh no. <laughs> anyway, on that note, uh, it is uh, well pro- probably bring a tear to my eye, but for completely the wrong reason. This is uh, EasyJet, uh, and it's uh, MilTech is the website of military technologies. EasyJet agrees with Airbus. Upgrade services for the retrofit of up to 105 of its A320 cabins, which basically means probably less room. Uh, <laughs> new cabins to feature six more seats, there's a shock, and maintain cur- current passenger comfort. Good luck with that. Uh, EasyJet has reached agreement with Airbus upgrade services division for the retrofit of up to 105 of its a320 cabins the new cabin will feature six additional seats whilst maintaining current passenger comfort levels and in addition it has the capability of allowing full access to one of the one of the lavatories for persons with reduced mobility in april 2015 airbus and easyjet celebrated the 250th delivery of airbus aircraft including some of the latest technology and innovations available This significant cabin upgrade programme reinforces the airline's commitment to its fleet. The new cabin layout is achieved through a combination of the recently certified Max Pax seating capability for the A320 family and the innovative SpaceFlex version 2, which optimises the cabin space at the rear of the aircraft, allowing high service levels to be maintained. The first line-fit aircraft with SpaceFlex version 2 seating will arrive... Uh, straight from the Airbus production line in May 2016 with the deliveries of upgrade kits for the retrofit aircraft planned between autumn 2016 and spring 2018. Airbus is a leading aircraft manufacturer which uh, champions innovative technologies and offers some of the world's most fuel efficient and quiet aircraft. Airbus has sold over 15,400 aircraft to more than 380 customers worldwide and has achieved more than nine. 9,100 deliveries since its first aircraft entered into
1: service. Wow. Mm. I mean, with all the airlines that are buying these new Airbus A320 NEOs mm. and stuff, it's hardly uh, surprising. I mean, they're both, I think they're both on a level par, mm. Boeing and Airbus. Yeah. You know, they're, they're kind of as good, well, and, as, and, as good as each other. Well,
0: and, and that's probably why they are both... Uh, you know that, that's why that's those are the names that you you assume almost with um, with passenger transport, isn't it? It's yeah. usually Airbus or it's usually Boeing. It's uh, you very rarely hear of other craft, not like you used to. I and mean, when you go back to sort of Tristar's heyday and things, I mean, there was a lot more. Uh, there was a competition, th- yeah, a lot more competition. Other, really. other, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But then it's such an expensive business, isn't oh, it? Oh yes, definitely, definitely. Just a bit of information
2: Ooh, for yes. you on
1: Airbus. Yes. Ooh. So Airbus for those of you who want some uh, bit of geeky information Airbus were founded on the 18th of December 1969 as Airbus Industry mm. and um they are their their tagline or their slogan is setting the standards mm. that's Airbus's um, little mm. slogan there and they've also got a parent company called the Airbus Group right and their headquarters are in Blenac France right yes so there we go. A mm. bit, bit of bit of information for. Well, all I
0: there. knew they were. I knew they were a French
1: company. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Very, mm. very much. But they're mm. very conglomerate. They've got sort of bits yeah. and pieces all around the world. Really. So come on in. <laughs> Life online. Oh, god, if you Blimey. had to
0: choose between one or other, oh, so it's going to be Boeing, isn't it? Is it? Oh,
1: god! Every time. Every. time.
2: <laughs> every <laughs> I expected time. you
0: to have to sort of, you know, sort of. You know, argue the toss with yourself a bit there for a minute. I, I wasn't quite expecting no, all, such a I've quick I've always answer. been.
1: I've always been a huge fan of Boeing products. Yeah, I have to say. Yeah, mm. I mean, every, it's each to their own. There'll be, there'll mm. be a thousand people screaming now uh, yeah. at their at their um, their MP3. Devices, Devices. Saying, right? I
0: like it. Yeah, yeah.
1: I was I was chatting to
0: uh, one of my uh, one of my friends who who works at an airport. I'm not allowed to say where or why or anything like that. But uh, he was saying actually because he he's part of the ground crew, and uh, he was he was saying because I was asking like because like the A380 and, and 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 that kind of thing. And I said I bet they really bet they're really loud. And he said they're not anything like. You get the older aircraft that come in, and you know the whole place sort of shakes to bits as as these things take off. But the the, the newer aircraft, both of them, are, are really uh, are so much quieter, uh, which I was quite surprised. I don't, I don't know. I guess I just assumed they'd they'd make as much, if not more, noise.
1: But oh no, no mm. aircraft are not noisy. That's a nice noise. It's <laughs> Don't!
0: I saw what you put on Facebook. All right, I saw. Oh, yeah. I saw the Rolls
1: Royce <laughs> yeah. engine that you wanted to put in your garden. Oh God, blimey, that'd be so <laughs> nice. Someone was someone selling an, uh, a Rolls Royce RB211 yeah. RB21 engine on uh, on eBay, mm. and um, with, yeah. with with it's got the the cradle and everything. It it's yeah, it's got, a, you stand. Know, it's got yeah. a stand. I'm not sure that that I don't, I don't think that would fit in with, the garden.
0: Yeah, there wouldn't be room for anything else. I don't care.
1: <laughs> Get rid of the wife's plants. I don't <laughs> like plants.
0: Oh, dear. Oh, oh Oh, poor Gemma. Oh, eh? no yeah, we all fee for, feel for her, don't we,
1: listeners? So, follow, <laughs> following on from uh, your story <laughs> yes, on Airbus, yes. uh, just a quick side shoot from that. Mm. So, as uh, most of you'll know, most of the listeners will know, uh, we've we've had the Paris Air Show, mm. and Airbus actually at the Paris Air Show uh, won fifty seven billion dollars uh, worth of aircraft orders at the mm. Paris Air Show uh, during the show. Uh, it got uh, orders uh, for 421 aircraft um, with uh, firm orders for 124 aircraft worth $16.3 billion. Uh, and commitments for 297 aircraft worth $40.7 billion. Right. Um, so Yes. There's a lot of business doing <laughs> yeah, it at, indeed. Uh, at these yeah. airships. Especially Farnborough, is the same. Farmer is mm. very much the same. Lots of money, um, passing, passing in, um, passing uh, through, hands and stuff. (laughs) The next Mm. story, moving on, uh, on the Guardian website, Mm. Uh, airlines urged to carry defibrillators after death of a woman on a Ryanair flight. So, a coroner's uh, or coroner is asking for aircraft to carry life saving equipment after a, a passenger died of an undiagnosed heart condition on a flight to Lanzarote. Uh, A coroner is urging airlines to carry the defibrillators after the 47-year-old woman collapsed and died of an undiagnosed heart condition while on a flight uh, with Ryanair. Uh, The passenger who had two children was travelling to the Spanish resort of Lanzarote with her husband uh, when she fell ill about three hours into the journey. Uh, The inquest heard. Andrew Taverner became concerned for his wife uh, after she did not return from the toilet. Members of the cabin crew opened the door to find the passenger had collapsed. A consultant breast surgeon at the Royal Bolton Hospital who was on the flight tried to help cabin crew and passengers save her, but they were unable to do so. Airlines are not currently required to carry a defibrillator, which can shock the heart back into action after a cardiac arrest. Andrew Taverner told Bolton Coroner's Court that as far as he was aware, his wife, a businesswoman, was a healthy uh, person other than complaining of a minor stomach ache in the week before the flight. Uh, the consultant surgeon Claire Garnsey told the inquest she could not feel a pulse and believed that the passenger had died while on the plane. On arrival at Lanzarote Airport, paramedics entered the aircraft and took her to hospital. Coroner Alan Walsh ruled the cause of death was unknown and that she uh, had died of a naturally occurring disease. Uh, Garnsey told the court uh, she was surprised there wasn't a defibrillator on board, describing them as critical to survival in cardiac events. She said, I did ask for a defibrillator because uh, if it is a cardiac issue, that's the best chance of survival, and was quite surprised that there wasn't one there. Two representatives of Ryanair who appeared at the inquest, um, a regional base manager and a chief instructor of safety both said they couldn't comment on the possibility of introducing defibrillators on the airline. The court uh, was told that uh, the passenger had worked for HSBC and frequently travelled abroad and had visited Hong Kong, China and Thailand in the weeks running up to her death. Um, Walsh uh, said Ryanair staff had followed all safety protocols and paid tribute to Garnsey and others who helped. I cannot speak highly uh, any more highly of the involvement of Miss Garnsey and all those who participated in the resuscitation process. I include that in the comment of members of Ryanair cabin crew. In relation to the death, it's difficult to know whether any equipment would have assisted because there was a five to ten minute period when she was in the toilet mm. and it's not known for how long she was unresponsive. Mm. I mean, it's a very sad story. Very sad um, story. There is... Yeah. Um,
0: as you say, there is no sign that actually carrying a defibrillator would have necessarily made any difference to the outcome of this awful story. Although I am, I am genuinely surprised that that more that more aircraft don't carry them. I mean, you think you, you on on the street corners in in Norwich, for example, where 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 I go quite a lot, uh, you quite often see them in locked um, containers with a special code, so that paramedics and and people who who, who know the building and things, first aiders know how to get to these defibrillators. I mean, they, mm. they are amazing bits of kit. Um, they're not the cheapest um, bits of kit either. No. Um, but um, in, in the same way, I mean, that same defibrillator will last many years. I guess it's the maintenance costs and things that <laughs> the airlines aren't willing to... And I
1: hate to say it, the weight... I mean, not that they weigh a lot, but Mm. you know, the the airlines, everything's about weight and yeah. Yeah, But you'd only need
0: one. Let's be honest. And and they aren't. They're really not
1: heavy. No. They aren't. They're really not heavy. Uh, And I'm uh, just reading on the CAA's mm -hmm. um, website here, the Civil Aviation Authority's Mm. website, and they say here that all airlines are legally required to train all the cabin crew in first aid and to carry first aid kits on aircraft. However, there is no legal requirement for them to carry defibrillators and some people have suggested that the regulation should be changed to make this compulsory.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah, as I say, whether that would have had a a different outcome in this case um I mean, I think it's probably unlikely given the fact that, you know, she was unresponsive for such a long period of time. And there is a lot that can be done with standard um resuscitation Routines, I know, but, um, you know, if they'd found her as soon as she collapsed,
1: perhaps, mm. you know, normal methods would have still come out, come with a positive outcome. I'm fairly sure. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying to Matt before we start mm. the show, I'm fairly sure that on the, uh, the long haul flights, I'm pretty confident that Emirates, mm. um, there was a locker on the aircraft, you know, yeah. that has a defibrillator on board. Yeah. On those aircraft, um,
0: they've got to be a good thing to carry You yeah. know, where either way, I mean, even if it just saves one
1: life, then I mean, yeah, sure, surely that's money well spent. If you're two or three hours away from a nearest yeah, landing place, yeah. you, you need yeah. um, you need something. You? You need something just to, even if, even if it's just to keep you going
0: long enough before you know real help can arrive. Mm. You know, but a very sad story, and, and obviously condolences to the families yes. um, who who have been touched by that story. But uh, yeah, it's um, it is uh, very sad. Anyway, moving on. Travel Mole. Travel Mole is Mm. the next site and the headline is passengers with reduced mobility still less likely to fly. People with a disability or reduced mobility are significantly less likely than other passengers to have flown in the last 12 months with many fearing things will go wrong according to the CAA's latest research. Just 39% of people with a disability are classified as recent flyers, meaning that they have taken a flight in the past year. this compares with 52% of those without disability. However, the research shows that 78% of those who request in advance the special assistance they are entitled to at airports and on airlines are either very satisfied or satisfied with their experience. In addition, the research also shows That those people with a disability who are recent flyers are just as likely to fly multiple times a year as other frequent flyers. Research identifies that one of the reasons for the uh, disparity relates, relates to concerns over access, including both physical and communication barriers, along with the expectation that things will go wrong. However, Where recent flyers pre-notified airports and airlines and requested assistance, satisfaction levels are high with the services provided. The findings are revealed in a new customer-focused research which the CAA commissioned to understand more about people's behaviours, needs and attitudes towards air travel. Ian Osborne, Group Director for Regulatory Policy at the CAA, said where people with reduced mobility request special assistance in advance, they are often very satisfied with the results they get at airports and on on board airlines and some, who fly multiple times a year, are clearly confident flyers. However, there is a significant number of other disabled passengers who have low expectations about air travel and fear that things will go wrong and the evidence shows uh, this group are infrequent ...or non-flyers. Sadly, it would appear one of the biggest barriers to flying is a lack of understanding and information about the specially tailored special assistance airports and airlines are legally obliged to provide, which enables people with a disability or reduced mobility to go from departure to arrival with minimal fuss and ease. Our role as a cust- consumer champion is to make sure everyone has fair access to air travel and the opportunity to have an enjoyable experience and we will be go- doing further work with the industry to make sure this happens by promoting special assistance and improving consistency of the service available now you were
1: telling me a story just before we started
0: recording actually
1: yeah yeah my my um grandparents have just mm. um come back from a holiday in malta mm. enough. Ah. And, Runs um, in the family then. Yes, it yeah. does. Yeah. <laughs> and they flew out um, with EasyJet from Gatwick Airport, yeah. and uh, they're both fairly mobile, mm-hmm. but obviously long distance walking's not their yeah, not thing. their forte. Yes, and uh, the gate at Gatwick for them was quite a distance, mm. and um, even though they'd pre emailed, well not them, but my uncle had mm. pre emailed the airport and the airline yeah. and everything, there was nothing in place. Really. And, Ooh, that is a real and they play, couldn't get anything in place and they had to make the journey oh, by God. foot. Um, I which presume I thought they, was... they made their flight and everything. Okay oh, yeah, they made the day, their yeah. flight. I mean, they got there in plenty of time, but yeah. it's not the point. It's, um, you know, these um, these things, you know, at airports, uh, you know, uh, when you're less mobile, mm. you know, you still want to go on holiday. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's um, the, the, you know, you, you need to have these things in place properly. Mm. Where at the other end of the uh, the uh, fight of the journey, um, you know the Maltese Grand Crew had they had the everything everything there right absolutely everything there they had the you know a couple of wheelchairs and the uh the lift uh Mm. bit do free on the door and everything for
0: them i mean in defense of of right of um gatwick airport this does sound like a just a clerical error
1: error, essentially
0: i mean i i I do know people who have used the facilities at gatwick who have always been very very happy but um um listeners do tell us uh if you've had any bad experiences with regard to uh to those kind of services and, uh, and uh, we can perhaps talk about it a bit more.
1: So next story on the yep. uh, telegraph, that one is a telegraph. Yes. Telegraph, telegraph travel. Yes. Yep. Uh, something that's been in the news quite a bit just lately. The mm. uh, uh, headline here is how safe is your cabin air? Toxic air on airplanes uh, is, uh, is a danger for passengers. Calls are mounting for action to be taken to investigate whether plane cabin air can be harmful. While a majority of airlines deny that there is no evidence of long-term ill health due to chemicals in cabins, a group of former and serving cabin crew are planning legal action against a number of British carriers alleging they were were poisoned by contaminated air. A programme on uh, an English uh, channel ITV, uh, How Safe Is Your Cabin Air, looked into the claims uh, on Tuesday last week. Uh, Former British Airways Captain Tristan Lorraine, who claims his medical certificate to fly, was revoked by the CAA due to his exposure to contaminated air, has spent the last 14 years researching and campaigning these issues. Uh, Dorset Coroner Sheriff uh, Stanford payne warned earlier this year of the dangers uh, of exposure to cabin fumes while investigating the death of 43-year-old British Airways pilot Richard Westgate. Unite, the union who recently called for a public inquiry into the topic of contaminated air exposure on aircraft, but what uh, exactly is aerotoxic syndrome? To enable you to survive on board an aircraft at high altitude, you need to be provided with a breathable air supply. The air you breathe in flight on most currently flying commercial passenger jet aircraft is provided to passengers and crews from the compression section of the engine in a process known as bleed air. Bleed air is used on every pressurised aircraft you fly on, from the latest wide-body jet to a regional turboprop aircraft, except for the Boeing 787 Dreamliner that uses electrical compressors. Apart from being cooled by air conditioning packs before entering the aircraft cockpit or cabin, the bleed air is not filtered and it will be contaminated in varying amounts with pyrolyzed or decomposed organic material at elevated temperatures synthetic jet engine oil combustion products as uh, a feature of the system design when this happens it's known as contaminated air uh, event but uh, as aircraft have no form of contaminated air detection systems fitted to warn the uh, air is contaminated nobody knows how often or what to what extent these events are occurring Under reporting extensive with a survey of UK pilots published as far back as 2004 showing less than 4% of all events actually reported to the regulatory or airline. The CAA and Department of Transport argue that chemicals found in aircraft uh, in normal flights are below safe levels but don't know what happens during contaminated air events. I mean, this is, how long have we been flying aircraft? Mm. You know, many, many years, pressurized aircraft, passenger jet aircraft. You know, this has only just come to light Mm. after all these times. I mean, there may be something in it, but... um... But, I mean, air conditioners, as an example, when they first came out, uh,
0: I mean, it was a long time before they sort of diagnosed Mm. that the the parasite, or not parasites, but the, the, you know, airborne jets sort of, things could be in the air essentially that were Mm. incredibly harmful to you especially if it was you know sort of near stagnant water and things like that i mean you know
1: what it's like when you when you turn your air conditioning on Mm. in your car after you've after you've not used it since last summer not that we we use ours in the (laughs) uk that much (laughs) not Um, (laughs) necessarily yeah but when you turn your air conditioning on in your car after it's been not used for a while it does sort of with a bit. I, I I must admit I make a, make a point of ensuring that it's
0: that my aircon is turned on at least once a week. Mm. Um, they do say you should do that to to ensure that the seals and everything are, are properly lubricated, and that otherwise they dry out and then the gas leaks. So, mm. and it's usually the gas leak is that horrible smell. Um. So you I mean, know, I, this I, I story
1: recommend will not stop me flying.
0: No, no, no. Of course, no. no I know, I know. But and uh, and of course, these are very rare events, they're not. Mm. Uh, they're 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 not every flight, are they? It's just a. It's like as I say, it's like anything. You know, all it takes is a, mine, a minor bit of um, perhaps a slightly laxataisical maintenance, and and you know, bad things can accidentally happen. But then mm. you know, in the same way that there are bugs floating around in the air all the time. Um, if you are flying through that air, you are bound to pick them up from time to time, aren't you, so... Oh,
1: it's bad enough having a cold.
0: No, oh, dear. <laughs> oh, steady. <Sorry. laughs> anyway, right. on to the next story. We've got a, a little run now of flight global stories, and this one uh, is it, has it. Been a? Uh, it's been the Paris Air Show, presumably. Is yes, that why? right. Yes, yes. yes so, so these are sort of uh, uh, to commemorate the Paris Air Show. I think yeah. uh, a lot of the, the, the next couple of stories, and uh, this one uh, is Air Baltic to be the CS three hundred launch operator. Mm. Air Baltic has confirmed it will be the launch. Operator for the Bombardier C S three hundred. Bombardier. Bombardier, I'm sorry, what did I say? <laughs> Bomb- bombardier oh, Bombardier. Sorry, that's a beer, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is <laughs> I'm so sorry. Trust you. Bombardier. 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 I a, Air, and I do I did that last time as well, didn't I? So I've got no excuse. Air Baltic has confirmed it will be the launch operator for Bombardier C S three hundred. Chief Executive Martin Gauss tells Flight Goebel the carrier expects its first delivery of the type to arrive in September. 2016, and another two before the end of that year. Gauss also confirmed that Air Baltic will firm up seven options to give it 20 firm orders for the CS300, saying, "We haven't done it yet, but the long-term business plan assumes that we." He expects the aircraft will provide much lower operating costs and longer range, and allow the the Riga, is it Riga or Riga? Riga, Riga, based. Um, ...carrier to operate a lot of routes... That we cannot do at the moment. The CS three hundred is on track to be certifi- uh, to be certificated uh, six months after the same milestone for the CS one hundred, which is due by the end of this year, says Bombardier. I nearly did it again. Then, the larger variant seats one hundred and thirty five passengers in a standard two class configuration, compared with one hundred and ten seats for the CS one hundred model. Air Baltic has selected a single class high density layout with one hundred and forty eight seats for its CS300s.
1: yeah, oh, that's that's blinking good news mm, for actually. Bombardier, anyway. Yeah. Um, I was just looking at the Bombardier the, the C-Series. We chatted about this before. Yeah. And uh, Pip picked up on this uh, when he was on the show with us a mm. few weeks back. And if if you look at the pictures of the bon- of this of the um, of the Bombardier C series, they are like someone's got a, a Dreamliner and shrunk it. <laughs> yes, yeah, it yeah. looks so, it looks so like the Dreamliner. Yeah. The nose and everything looks so like the Dreamliner. Yeah. So, um, sort of a short
0: wheel based version of the yeah, same thing. Exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Air Baltic yeah. formed in 1995. Yeah. Uh, hubs at Riga Airport, international airport. Go to 60 destinations. Have a fleet size of 24. <clears throat> Um and uh, currently are in a profit. Um, they're an airline in profit. Blimey! What? Air Baltic. <laughs> Good I know. Heavens. <laughs> uh, but yeah, got quite, quite a reasonably mm. uh, um sort of uh, new fleet, mm. quite, quite a young fleet. Good. Um, they've got some. They've got some older seven three seven three hundreds, mm. but they have, as we say, got the Bombardiers. Nice. Um, and they've got some Dash Q 8s as well. The prop, uh, prop yes. Ha- uh, yes, aircraft yes, yes. as well. Nice. So moving on to our next story, yes. another one, uh, Paris Air Show News, Wiz uh, Air or Wiz.com or Wizair.com. Mm-hmm. See them flying around here quite a bit. You can't miss them with their purple, yeah, purple uh, underbelly. Yes. underbelly. <laughs> uh, they have uh, signed for 110 high-density Airbus A321 Neos. So the central European budget carrier Wizair has tentatively agreed to take 110 Airbus A321 Neos in a high density 239 seat cabin flex configuration. Airbus says the aircraft fitted with 18 inch seats would be delivered between 2019 and 2024. The memorandum of understanding also covers 90 purchase rights. Flight Global's Ascend Fleet's database shows that Wiz operates 61 A320 yeah. CEOs and has another 23 plus 27 A321 CEOs on order. The airline, uh, uh, airline's A321 Neo deal is the biggest single order for the variant and pushes the A320 Neo family orders and commitments beyond 4,000, Airbus yeah. indicates. And Wizz Air operates uh, some 380 routes from 22 bases. So they're, they're
0: getting quite big now, aren't they're they? Wizz Air are big, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Quite quite often, you put the uh, you know, flight radar app on mm. and see them flying over yeah. here. Yeah, very good.
0: Yeah, that's good.
1: Okay. Uh, penultimate story then for
0: the uh, commercial section. Uh, this is Flight Global again. Uh, again, out of the Paris Air Show, and it's GCAS to be the 737-800 conversion launch customer. US, US Lessor, uh, GCAS.
1: Sorry? Liesel. Liesel? No, it says L E S know, Lisa. Lisa Lisa. Yeah, it's the Leasing Company anyway.
0: Oh, I see. That's not spelt correctly for Anyway, sorry. Silly Americans. Come over here with all anyway. US US Lisa GCAS has become the first customer to sign for Aeronautical Engineers freighter. ...conversion program for the Boeing 737-800. Aeronautical engineers formally launched the program last year. GCAS's cargo aircraft group has disclosed during the Paris Air Show that it intends to convert up to 20 of its passenger 737-800s into freighters. Uh, conversion will be undertaken at Aeronautical Engineers Modification Centres in China and the US beginning next year. GCAS says it expects the modified aircraft to achieve uh, USFAA Supplemental Type Certification in 2017, at which point the 737-800SF will be offered for lease as a freighter. Uh, the Lisa's uh, Executive Vice President for Specialty Markets, Christopher Dam. Da- da- you really have picked a right one from me. Christopher Damanos, there we go, says the company believes the type will be a best-in-class aircraft for replacement and expansion in the single-aisle cargo sector. Cargo Aircraft Group has previously opted to convert 737-300s and-400s into freighters, and its portfolio of cargo jets also includes larger freighter types. Aeronautical Engineers says that securing GCAS as the launch customer for the dash 800 conversion will offer the lesser uh, the, the Lisa, sorry and oh dear, the leaser <laughs> a high residual value option for its dash 800 fleet
1: humble apologies dear listener for that horrific read <laughs> Seriously though the the mm. 7 uh, yeah the, the has yes. been such a hugely popular um, mm. version for yeah. for for Boeing with the 737 mm. that's that's and, what done um, um, the Ryanair yeah, yeah yeah all of mm. Ryanair fleets are the 800 mm. and uh you know it's it's a massively popular series yeah. I, it, I think it's probably one of their popular I think out of their um mm. their whole series of 737s smaller, yeah. and um it's a natural thing for I think for for the you know for for a company to to have this as yeah. as a as a freighter mm. um as a small well, sort of freighter.
0: again, it's got a proven track record and and and, and that kind of thing, hasn't it? So mm. it's uh, people people know what they're dealing with when they buy one of these, don't they? I mean, yeah. it's uh, yeah. you know. And they're, I mean, for better or for worse, I mean, these aircraft have been in service a long time, so they've got a, they've,
1: as you say, got a, a, a proven track record of reliability and things. So it's all good. It's all good, mm. and just on a, on a note as well about mm. the pronunciation of stuff. Oh, here we go. <laughs> when you, if, if you ever Again, listen, I'm very no, no, sorry. not you, <laughs> not you. I, I, do you know uh, um, uh, Captain Jeff? Ah, yes, from over there at the airline pilot guy yes. podcast. Um, he often has uh, little bits about the pronunciation and yes. stuff on his show. And one of the ones that always amuses me. Yes. And for those of you guys who listen to uh, Captain Jeff's airline pilot guy podcast, which is awesome, yeah. and uh, is part of my diet of podcasts a yes. week. Yes. When you're and on late, yes. he he loves. <laughs> there's a there's a certain word, um, and um, it's uh, portable. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, nothing portable. unusual.
0: Nothing. Well, why is that? Why is that so?
1: Because it, it 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 kind of comes out on, on the show as being portable. Oh no, <laughs> portable, portable. Um, I Partable. see. Yes, I know. Sorry, that, Jeff, if you're listening, that's Jeff. The,
0: that's the joy <laughs> of the regional dialect, though, isn't it? It's uh, you know, but then you see, we 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 do
1: sound quite different, don't we? I mean, us, us I our, I with our wonderful English, English
0: accents. It's, it's, uh,
1: but I have to yeah. say, my disco equipment is portable. It, it's portable. I can carry it anywhere. Right. It's not that. It's not potable. It's not that. It's cool. not potable. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll leave that one. now. I, 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 <laughs> Jeff's, the, Jeff's Jeff's now hurriedly deleting these from Facebook. Yes, absolutely. Quite right. I do it anyway. we'll move on, on to still, the last story. <laughs> yeah, well, the
0: last, uh, we have a top ten. We do. We indeed, do. Yes. So to get us out of trouble, so it's the uh, it's world airline fleets. It's the top ten aviation armadas with most airplanes. As the, as of this writing, there are 5,193 commercial airplanes in the air in the world. Despite the rise of internet-based communication, businesses continue to find it profitable to, hundreds of, to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars shuttling people around for face-to-face meetings, uh, not to mention the families and other travellers journeying for other reasons. To meet this massive demand for high-speed global travel, airlines have assembled a vast fleet of aircraft it's worth appreciating that this forum, multiple uh, c- uh, corporations employ metal tubes capable of burning decayed organic matter at high temperatures in a controlled fashion that propels the tubes along forward in the sky and across the globe. It's a miracle. So just who are these corporations and how large are their fleets due to the immense cost involved in in uh, making air travel possible and safe the prices per plane are large assembling a fleet will cost you in the billions of dollars no wonder airlines are constantly declaring bankruptcy oh this is a cheery story isn't it the top 10 largest plane fleets will take us around the world and we will begin uh, in a country
1: where all numbers are jumbo so in at number 10 so Bear in mind, just before we start, that these do are slightly different if the airlines have ordered stuff since the stories was written. So there might be uh, a few uh, aircraft uh, more. Uh, okay, right. but they're pretty much the same. Yes. So at number ten, then China Eastern Airlines, headquartered mm. in Shanghai, and uh, they've uh, got quite. They've got hundreds of destinations mm. um, for their uh, three hundred and fifty plus aircraft they've got, mm. and uh, they are uh, also part of a member of the Sky Team. Uh, alliance kind of thing and uh they roughly fly seventy three million passengers um or one fifteenth of the population of China. Gosh
0: three hundred and forty nine planes in their particular fleet as well. Uh in at number nine.
1: So at number nine then uh Air Canada mm. uh three hundred and fifty four uh aircraft or in their fleet and uh they are the Canadian obviously the Canadian flag carrier uh, overall the airline counts 178 destinations for its aircraft and uh, Air Canada enjoys something of a monopoly position within Canada ensuring that it puts a pile of planes to good use for some time to come mm. obviously West Jet come are over well, indeed, as well yes, yeah. yes. Uh, number eight number eight it's our friends across the uh, the careful the, the <laughs> English Channel English Channel it's Air France uh, 381 planes yeah uh, the French flag carrier, based out of Charles de Gaulle in Paris, a uh, founding member of the Sky team and a subsidiary of the Air France KLM Group. And uh, the 381 planes in their fleet is quite solid, with flights to over 90 countries and over 30 local destinations. Uh, unsurprisingly, the vast majority of its fleet is composed of mostly Airbus planes, mm. And the French airline has purchased fewer airplanes than average from Boeing and far more from the French producer Airbus. Obviously, because, I mean, oh, they are not right. far to yes, deliver them. indeed. Yes, Delivery yes, yes. costs are far Yes, cheaper. less dead mileage, as we call it. In at number seven. Number seven, Lufthansa, 401 aircraft. Mm. Um, the once state-owned airline privatised in 1994, shortly after German reunification. The airline's main hub being in Frankfurt, uh, one is which is one of the Europe's largest airports. Uh, and the company is based in the industrial Rhineland in Cologne. Uh, with 197 international destinations on top of 18 domestic terminals, the airline and its uh, 401-plus planes are major players. Uh, Perhaps its most newsworthy uh, fact at the moment is a recent promotion that encouraged Swedish people to change their name to Klaus Heidi (laughs) and somehow managed to uh, get 42 Swedes to do so in exchange for a chance to win a year's A year of free (laughs) rent in Berlin, along with a few free flights. Interesting. Yeah, this is an unusual approach, isn't it? This is an unusual marketing strategy. (laughs) Number six. China Southern. Another one that flies over us quite frequently here. Oh, really? uh, Yeah, 423 aircraft. Uh, Unsurprisingly, the world's largest air country shows up again on the list of the world's largest airline fleets. China Southern, based in Gangzhou in the Guangdong province, a province the size of West uh, Win, uh, Wisconsin, with a population of over a hundred million. The China Air, uh, the China's, um, the airline is China's biggest uh, by fleet size and by passenger, and ranks the fourth largest by domestic passengers worldwide. Are we keeping you up? Sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And in (laughs) number five, number five, FedEx Express, uh, 634 plus aircraft. Um, FedEx is the only operator uh, on this list that doesn't fly passengers, or not at least human passengers. (laughs) Uh, It flies freight all around the world. It operates one of the largest aircraft fleets in the world. Uh, one would, uh, would be competitive to the United States Postal Service that doesn't own any of its own aircraft, leaving FedEx the untouched freight fleet champion. Mm. Uh, among its many hubs is one surprise, Anchorage, Alaska, instead of uh, delivering there. However, Anchorage is just a waypoint for FedEx's continual flights between China and other Asian countries and the US mainland. Not bad for a showing, considering that they don't carry passengers. No, indeed. Uh, number four. Number four. It's one of the uh, U.S. favourites, Southwest, and they've got 683-plus aircraft mm. in their fleet. Based out of Dallas, uh, this one-time regional carrier, Got it. start flying within Texas, letting it uh, avoid FAA monopoly regulations and operate low-cost strategy. Following deregulation, Southwest exploded and is now flying more passengers than any other U.S. airline. Um, uh, now, it's got uh, 737s in the fleet, um, or all 737 fleet, uh, ensuring that its mechanics know how to fix every plane by heart. Mm. Uh, With each of its planes flying, on average, six flights per day. Gosh. The fleet is large and overworked. The better to keep costs down. Uh, well, that is true. Yes. Um, and they recently a uh, purchased uh, a carrier Airtran, and uh, Southwest's future is looking very good. Now, I think it's safe to say there is quite a huge jump
0: between the amount of planes that Southwest carry, which was six hundred and eighty-three, to
1: the item in at number three, United Airlines, mm. one thousand. Two hundred and sixty (laughs) four aircraft, a massive fleet uh, for an airline. Chicago based um, uh, United Airlines operates one of the largest fleets in the world, befitting its anchor position in the Star Alliance. With hundreds of destinations, United actually offers 10 different hubs critical to its success. This dense network captures the majority of Americans in its various hubs. God, we are keeping you up, aren't we? (laughs) Enabling a wide array of popular destinations in major cities, (laughs) including Chicago, Los Angeles, Washington, Houston, Newark, Denver, uh, San Francisco, Cleveland, and Tokyo. Included in uh, its fleet are 8787-8 Dreamliners, the ultimate next-generation aircraft, And the uh, 1,264-strong fleet is good enough for third place worldwide. Mm, In at number two... In at number two, it's Delta Airlines, 1,280-plus aircraft. Another regional carrier that has flown to prominence. Delta takes its name from the original home based in tiny Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, the various destinations it flew to were based in and around the Mississippi River Delta. Uh, prior to its start as Delta, the airline began as a crop dusting company. Wow, uh, I knew that one because I listened to Captain Jeff, and uh, he, talk- he talks about Delta quite a bit. He likes that airline.
0: See, I'd never really come across sort of crop dusting until I, uh, the fi- the film of all things was Independence Day that that introduced me to the phenomenon that was crop, crop dusting, dusting with
1: small prop aircraft. Sorry, anyway, it's good. Sorry, yeah. it's good. I <laughs> I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to try that Slow yes, flying. Well, yes, that's true. Delta's yes. largest fleet expansion followed the bankruptcy of Pan Am Airlines in 1991 ah. uh, when Delta took over a selection of its aircraft assets and flight routes. Uh, after its most recent, uh, recent merger with Northwest, Delta briefly held the top spot on this list, but it's in the process of being surpassed by a new number one, Um, far beyond even Delta's 1280 aircraft so Mm. in at finally at number one number one American Airlines which I guess is not a surprise 1494 plus aircraft After their just-approved merger, more accurately, a takeover of bankrupt American by the better-run and not-bankrupt U.S. Airways, which was itself taken over by an even better-run and even less-bankrupt America (laughs) West a few years earlier, the aggregate airline, still known as American, will operate a fleet of nearly 1,500 planes. This figure puts the airline nearly 25% ahead of their nearest competitor. The airline's main hub, Dallas-Fort Worth, is a pre-merger monopoly for American, with the original airline operating 85% of total passenger traffic at the airport, a number that can only increase with the merger. With hundreds of destinations each, the newly created airline will be the largest in the world by many measures. Uh, The most visible by far will be its uh, 1,500-plus aircraft crisscrossing the skies Day and night. There we are. So there we go. It that is. brings the news segment to a does, close yes. this week for uh, the commercial aviation news. Yes. Me and Matt are now going to put the kettle on yes. and have a cup of tea. Indeed. <laughs> yes. And, and uh,
0: despite me having more sleep than Carlos for some reason, I'm the one that needs caffeine more than him. I know. I'm not <laughs>
1: yawning at all. I know. Terrible. Honestly, oh. manners, Mr. Smith. I <laughs> know. Right. So we're going to leave you uh, with this and come back to you uh, after our. Tea and biscuits Splendid
2: Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines Well not anymore I'm Steve Vischer And I'm Grant McCarran And we're bringing aviation right into your radio Yes we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone Hang on, aviation's always been cool Check this out
1: How cool is this?
0: Crash,
2: crash, turn that down
1: What is cricket, anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there we go. <laughs> and we're back. We are. Yes. <laughs> Suitably refreshed. Yes. Matt had his marmalade on toast. Indeed, and I've stopped yawning now. Good news, it's obviously low blood sugar levels. Uh, and I've had jam on toast. <laughs> mm, strawberry jam. Marmalade. Yeah, so we have some military news stories, mm. a few to bring you this week, yep. and some air show news, and a segment from Pilot Pip. Yes. So, uh... Let's kick on with the military aviation news. Are you ready, Matt? I am, yes. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, don't whistle. Oh. Sorry, God, blind me. <laughs> You'll upset everyone. Oh, really? So, Flight Global first story, then and following on from the Parish Air Show, uh, Air Show, Lockheed to deliver final four IOC F thirty five Bs by the thirtieth of June. Ooh, excellent. So, the last four f thirty five b joint strike fighters, the Marine Corps needs to declare initial operation capability will be delivered by the thirty or on the thirtieth of June in time for an operational readiness inspection targeted for the second week of July. That's the assessment of lockheed martin's f thirty five program Chief Lorraine Martin, who is closely monitoring the countdown to the delivery of the final four. The Marine Corps IOC is the first major marker for the uh, programme since it was revised and re-baselined in 2010, and Martin expects to hit that contractual target. They'll be ready, she tells Flight Global. That's my goal. I watch it every day. I plan to have everything ready, she says, adding to that latest ALIS, or Autonomic Logistics Information System, uh, configuration is being installed and will be ready in the next couple of days. Activity has hit a crescendo at the Marine Corps Air Station Yuma, Arizona, which is home to the Green Knights, the first operational F-35B squadron. Once everything is in place, an independent team will come in and assess the squadron's readiness and report back to the Deputy Commandant for Marine Corps Aviation, Lieutenant General John Davis. If Davis is satisfied that the squadron has the manpower and equipment and spare parts in place, he will inform Marine Commandment and IOC will be declared. The decision will come 14 years after the start of the F-35 development. Asked if, after all those years, if the U.S. and its allies are receiving a superior weapon to what's uh, on the battlefield uh, today, Martin said she has no doubt. The customers we support who have all all the information they need and to have the comfort in that they have no doubt, she adds. She says since the initial design, the aircraft has received new uh, processes and the latest parts. She's also wholly committed to delivering every capability that was promised for Block 3F, which is currently in in, uh, integration and testing. The statement comes despite talks of weapons and capabilities slipping from Block F to Block 4, a configuration that is being defined right now. We'll be delivering increments from about 2019 through to 2025. So another stunning picture of the F-35 there. Yeah. It is, and also good news as well that uh, they're delivering, getting these deliveries out of these mm. aircraft cause yeah. they have had a few teething troubles with the F thirty uh, five. But you're bound to few such a few years. It's a
0: massive project, though, mm. isn't it? I mean, that's why it's taking taken so long. But they they are such a uh, they're sort of so, very flat, aren't they?
1: <laughs> this is the best way to very ra- to de- radar yeah. non showing mm. up on ah yes um, right in design. Yes. But no sneaky yes. It'll be so good if we see these at React this year. Or oh, at least yes. one. We're at least one, yes, quite
0: sure. Anyway, Flight Global is uh, the source for our next story. And the headline is Canada accepts first six Sikorsky CH-148 Cyclones. The Royal Canadian Air Force has accepted delivery of its first six Sikorsky CH-148 Cyclone maritime patrol helicopters, marking a major step forward for the Sea King replacement programme that has uh, a tortuous history. Uh, two more helicopters are due to arrive at the Shearwater operating base in Nova Scotia this December and the full tranche of 28 cyclones will be in place by 2021, Canadian Defence Minister Jason Kennedy said at a ceremony on the 19th of June. The first six ch- uh, choppers arrive amid a hurricane of uh, displeasure in Canada over the handling of the various Seeking replacement efforts, the latest of which the Cyclone programme started in 2004 but uh, was beset by technical issues, delays, cost growth and contract revisions. In fact, an earlier Seeking replacement was aborted in 1993 at a cost to Canada of around about $500 million. The, indeed, the total value of the Cyclone acquisition is $7.6 billion, including a $1.9 billion for development and production of 28 helicopters and 5.7 uh Presumably, billion dollars over 20 years for in-service contractor support. The twin-engine medium-lift cyclone is derived, f- or is derived from the Sikorsky's Civil S-92, and is designed for shipboard maritime surveillance and rescue operations on Canada's east and west coasts. It will replace 27 long-serving Sikorsky CH-124C Kings that have been uh, in constant operation since 1963 and are the oldest Oldest aircraft in the RCAF in, in the inventory, Public Works and Government Services Minister Diane Finley said that it gives her great pleasure to finally put the Sea King workhorse out to pasture. I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with that. I think that's very sad to see uh, because there was a there was an air show very recently, wasn't there, where they were saying. Uh, because the um, the Sea King was doing its final, mm, that was here yeah. in the UK, wasn't it? Yeah. Because um, the the sort of air sea rescues is actually being privatised, isn't it? Which mm. doesn't sound like. It I think was. it's
1: always sad when you see aircraft being mm. retired that yeah. are perfectly flyable, especially perfectly when there's nothing wrong. With them. Yeah, I know, and that, it, 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 mm. I think it is sad when they have to, you know, they you know, get rid of these aircraft. Yeah. CH four one four eight Cyclone mm-hmm. uh, manufactured by Sikorsky. First flew in fifteenth November two thousand eight. Yep. And uh, primary user, mm. the Canadian yep. Forces. And yeah. has a unit cost of around $65 million. Because we, we had quite a fleet of um, sea kings ourselves, didn't we? We did, yeah, mm. many moons ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they've all... Literally like this
0: week, isn't it? The last one was mm. taken out of service here before sad. it was all all privatised. Very mm. sad. But, um, Flight Global, yes. next story.
1: Yeah. And France to accept next A400M in the coming days. Mm. France has demonstrated the load-carrying credentials of its A400M tactical transport at Le Bourget as it gets ready to take delivery of a seventh example from Airbus in the coming days. Weighing in at a cool 29 tonnes, a (laughs) VBCI armoured vehicle used everywhere by the nation's army has been repeatedly loaded onto the French Air Force aircraft on display outside Airbus's chalet. A growth version tipping 32 tonne is to come soon. Mm -hmm. Defence Minister Jean-Yves Le opted to keep the nation's A400M's in operational use following the fatal accident involving the type in Spain on the 9th of May. Its fleet has logged more than 150 flight hours since then in locations including Africa and the Middle East. We have full confidence in the aircraft and the way we have operated since the accident shows our faith, says France's programme manager for the A400M, who declines to be named... The acceptance process for its next example has been completed with the airlifter ready to go, he adds. Mm. Ah, see, look, even after the crash, yep. you know, people still have the confidence in the 400M mm. as uh, as a tactical transport aircraft. Well, and, and there must be good
0: reason for that. So, as I say, when when the, the final uh, announcement is made as to the cause of the crash, etc., mm. I'm sure... Sure that they'll all be vindica- vindicated, won't they? And but we so. hopefully
1: should be seeing one of these at RIA, I think really? this year, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you will as well. You'll yes, be seeing absolutely. one for the first yes. time. Yeah,
0: well, indeed. Yes. Next story. The next story. Uh, this is on Flight Global again, and it's the RAAF KC thirty A uses boom to refuel wedge tail. Uh, the Royal Australian Air Force, the RAAF, has conducted trial refuelings using the boom of an Airbus military KC thirty. Uh, a multi-role tanker transport uh, in brackets MRTT. The work took place off the coast of New South Wales During the first two weeks of June, says Australia's Ministry in a statement. It involved refuelling an RAAF Boeing E-7A Wedgetail Airborne uh, early warning and control aircraft. Uh, Once the trial results are assessed, an initial clearance is expected to be granted to allow Wedgetail crews to begin refuelling training flights uh, with the KC-30A, says Wing Commander Christian Martin. The RAAF KC-30A's, which are... which are based on the A330-200 airliner, have been cleared for hose and drogue refuelling since early 2013, when the type obtained initial operational capability uh, with the Australian service. Uh, In January 2011, the first KC-30A due for Australia was involved in an in-flight refuelling training incident that, as Airbus Military put it, Cause the aircraft some limited damage. Mm. Uh-oh. <laughs> The incident The incident uh, saw part of the boom broken off and minor damage to a Portuguese F-16 fighter which was involved in the testing programme. This resulted in significant delays to the boom capability being implemented while issues were worked through with Airbus at its Seville, Spain s- facility. By 2023, only 36 RAAF aircraft will still use hose and drogue refuelling. Its 24 Boeing F-A-18F Super Hornets and the 12 EA-18G Growlers, the remaining 100 aircraft in its fleet, including the Lockheed Martin F-35, will require boom refuelling. This is the reverse of the status quo as 95 RAF aircraft use hose and drogue for air-to-air refuelling and 17 use the boom. Moreover, the boom is essential for refuelling aircraft from Allied forces, namely Singapore's f
1: 15s and f-16s and the united states air force's various assets so for those of you wondering what the wedge tail is mm. uh, we all know what the um uh, the uh, kc30 is or the mrrt mm. multi-role that's the a330 right. uh, voyager but the wedge tail is um a airborne early warning and control um platform as matt said mm. it's a 737 Right, um, oh. seven hundred, mm. so slightly shorter than the yeah. eight hundred, but that's what it's based on—the passenger yeah. version. But obviously, this is a um, sort of a, a, a this, this one's got a huge wedge yes. on top of its fuselage, okay. which is a radar um, ah. placement for um, early warning stuff, right? Um, used by um, the Royal Australian Air Force. Mm-hmm. And there's been 14 of those built because they are purpose-built for the job oh. of airborne early warning. Showing off now. Yes.
0: I know. I should, I should apologise, actually. The reason why I haven't been able to bring up many stats of my own is because we are a laptop down as a result of this morning's incident, <laughs> which is uh, uh, why Carlos has been left in charge yes, of I'm, the stats
1: this morning. I'm off on uh, <laughs> to uh, uh, Amazon later to buy a new charger you, for my good laptop. News, good news. Yes. well done. <laughs> So last story on the military segment, Royal Air Force website. And Mm. this one is Army Reservists hitch a lift on the new RAF Puma 2 helicopter. Puma. Sir Puma. <laughs> yeah, Puma. With its low... Is so Norfolk. Oh, I'm know, so sorry. Thank you, so my accent coming out there. Puma, darling, Puma. I, I lost my radio voice there for just I'm one moment. For a brief moment. With its low rotor downwash and twin cargo doors, the RAF's new Puma 2 helicopter proved uh, the ideal <laughs> asset to provide lift for members of the Central Reserve Headquarters of the Adjutant General Corps. Uh, on their annual training camp at Barton Stacey, Hampshire, uh, last weekend. The specialist soldiers, some of whom uh, are lawyers, financiers and linguists Mm. in civilian life, work in the four branches of the AGC in the National Reserve Unit. They are the first reservists to fly in the new aircraft, uh, giving the RAF aircrew an opportunity to practice lifting troops in and out of the field. Officer Commanding CR HQ Major Gordon Fraser was delighted to have the RAF support. Uh, to deliver military training to the group. This is the first time any of the reservists have seen a Puma II aircraft. It's an impressive machine, he said, and the aircrew were extremely informative and professional. As part of a £340 million life extension program uh, of 24 of the RAF's Puma Force aircraft based at RAF Benson, uh, they've been upgraded with improved ballistic protection and new engines offering greater onboard fuel efficiency. The new aircraft can carry twice as many troops and kit over three times the range of its predecessor in the most demanding environmental conditions, making it ideal for combat and humanitarian missions. The Puma II's low-rotor downwash and twin cargo doors make it easier for transporting troops in and out of confined urban environments. It can also be used for uh, casualty evacuation and to move essential kit around with ease. The Force Puma Force commander, uh, Group Captain Simon Patterson RAF, explained the Puma is an ideal helicopter for urban operations as the air security for the London 2012 Olympics highlighted. The recent upgrades to the aircraft have proven invaluable as it has a greater range, endurance and payload and it's already playing a key role in overseas operations in Afghanistan. So that's good. that's good. That's well out of mm-hmm. hand, isn't it? If you're on a field somewhere and you're uh, not wanting to really walk hundreds no. of miles, oh, I'll just, call, just in. call in. Call in the R A? Call in the RAF quite Puma. Right. Quite. Yes.
0: <laughs> Can I have a lift, please? <laughs> yes, please. Yes. I wonder if that'll work out here. And mm, be nice to give a try. Worth a try. Well, yeah. we have to be a bit careful here because if we call for, we might end up with Prince William,
1: mightn't we? I suppose Oh we'll good. We might do yeah. Yeah. royalty coming yeah, in to help. Yeah, us. that'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the military news then for this cheek. week. A bit short. Well, we are pressed for time, but we are Indeed. going to cover some uh, air show news. Yep. So uh, with the air show season. Um, Yep. On us in full swing. Indeed, yes. Yeah, we're going to do that in just a moment because
0: it is now time for Pip's... Oh, we're going to play um, Pip. Pip's section. Oh, okay. Yes, You're yes. in charge. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put my producer hat on for okay. a moment. Yes, so it is time for uh, another cracking segment from our legend that is Pilot Pip.
1: And now it's time to visit the cockpit and join the man who puts the S in safe. It's the plane safety from the flight deck segment... With
2: Captain Pip. Hi everyone, Pilot Pip here. How's it going? Back with another safety from the flight deck segment. And in this one, I'm going to take a quick look at the different types of air traffic control services we have available. And there are quite a few different types of service that air traffic can offer us as pilots. Now when I get on in a second to talk about the services outside of controlled airspace, I'll be specifically talking about the UK services uh, which are now they're broadly similar everywhere around the world, but we have specific names, and maybe there'll be some subtle differences. But they're the ones I'm most familiar with, so that's what I'll, I'll refer to. But let's start off looking at controlled airspace, and the, the radar and air traffic control services we will get, and the ones that you'll be most familiar with. The one, the service that you'll get on any uh, airline flight out of the UK or anywhere in Europe or uh, America or Australia or any most parts of the world. If you get on an airliner from the moment you take off to your climb your en route section your approach and landing you'll be under a radar control and what we call a radar control surface and what this means that at all stages of flight air traffic control have you positively identified on radar either with the primary radar which is the you know sends out a blip and it gets a return and it shows up on their screen as a little dot or by secondary radar which is via the transponder And so you'll take off and you'll be passed from one controller to the next, all the way down your route. And all the time you'll be under a positive radar control. They'll be able to see you at all stages of flight. And they can use this to manage the air traffic flow through the airway systems on the en route systems and the approach procedures. And they'll use this to maintain the minimum separations from aircraft, both vertically and horizontally. Now, there's a couple of different ways that they do this. And the aim is, as I say, to be keeping all aircraft safely separated from each other. So, for example, when we're flying along an airway, uh, we're just merrily going along, we're in the cruise now. The ATC involvement isn't too much at this point. The minimum separation generally it varies from different parts of the world, but generally we're looking at five nautical miles separation or a thousand feet vertically. So if we're flying along an airway, we don't want to get closer than about five miles to that aircraft in front of us or the one behind or 1,000 feet so you might have an aircraft coming across the top of us in a different direction and that minimum separation will be 1,000 feet either below or above us but five nautical miles laterally is what ATC are trying to give us and that's fine in the airway system so we'll follow that along a route all the way in until we start getting into our arrival phases and the and what we call the STARS, the standard arrival procedures. Now, again, we could follow these procedures, these routings that we have on our charts, all the way in right down into the airport almost, and maintain this five nautical miles separation. And any ATC, theoretically, could just leave us alone pretty much to do it, just to fly the routes. We get passed over to the approach controller, then the tower controller, etc., But often what ATC will want to do is to be able to maximise their airspace, particularly in busy environments, especially like London, where they've got a lot of traffic, very high density of aircraft coming and going. So in order to maximise the airspace, what they can do is reduce that separation from five miles down to typically three miles between aircraft. So this gives them much more capacity to deal with an increased volume of traffic. And they can do this by issuing us with uh, vectors, radar headings, so instead of just following a predefined route between one point and another ATC can now say to us specific headings to fly so something like uh, safe jets one two three turn right heading zero four five and we'll just follow that heading that they've issued us now more often than not those headings those vectors will that they're giving us will mirror almost exactly the arrival routing that predefined route that we've got in our chart so You might say, why bother doing that? Well, as I say, what they can do once we're on a vector, once they've given us uh, specific headings, they can then reduce the minimum separation to three miles between aircraft. Still a thousand feet vertically, but three miles now, so they can start to get a lot more traffic into that same volume of airspace. Now, the advantage of that, it can increase capacity in any bit of given airspace, and it can also shorten the arrival routes or the departure routes quite significantly. So, for instance, let's take something unfamiliar with an arrival into Luton from the south of the UK. If you were just to follow the standard arrival as on our, our plate, our arrival plate, it would take you through, it would take you to the south of London, it would gradually drop you down in altitude, it'll take you across London, and then it would actually take you past Luton, up to the north of Luton, then to turn back around, do 180 degrees turn, and back to pick up the the approach, the ILS, into Luton. Now that's quite a long arrival, but instead if you're under ATC radar control under there and they're issuing you vectors, you then don't have to follow that routing. ATC can just drop you down and put you on a direct arrival, put you straight onto the ILS without having to go all the way up to the north and back again. So that might reduce your arrival distance by maybe 20 or 30 miles, which of course saves time, it saves fuel, it's less, you know, less noise pollution for people on the ground. So the the advantages of that are quite obvious. The disadvantage of then is that it's actually a higher workload for the controller and a slightly higher workload as well for the for the uh, pilots. But that's generally, particularly in London, that's generally what we do. There are other big cities, major uh, hubs like Paris, for instance, where they don't really do that quite so much. They'll just let you follow that uh, predetermined route the standard arrival routing, and they'll, they'll leave you alone almost up until approach intercept. so getting onto the ILS, which is fine as well, but it does lead to some very long, long arrivals, but much less workload. It's very quiet on the radio, for instance. You'll just fly the route, and it drops you down onto the ILS. All very nice. And now just a quick note on terrain clearance uh, whilst under radar control. Under radar control service, the controller, the radar controller does have some responsibility for issuing clearances that maintain an adequate separation above the hills above the mountains above any to, any terrain now you remember in the last segment we spoke briefly about the air France incident out in Africa in which they got a, an e g b w s pull up now I'm not quite sure what sort of uh, radar service, if any they were under there, but certainly in you know up in Europe or anywhere else. When you're under a radar control the controller has a responsibility to make sure that any headings any vectors any direct routings he gives you are done at a sufficiently high altitude as to maintain terrain clearance now having said that it would be an unwise pilot who did not double check uh, that he's maintaining his msa his minimum safe altitude regardless of what the controller is giving him so ultimately ultimately it's always the pilot's responsibility to check and maintain safe terrain clearance. And that's something you do need to keep an eye on, particularly out in mountainous or high terrain environments. I do remember one occasion down in southern Spain approaching to Malaga, being issued uh, a heading, a vector and and an altitude to descend to, which when I double, at night as well, when I double checked it on one of my charts, it was actually below what we call the minimum vectoring altitude. So I had to you know, question that and the controller said oh yeah my mistake. So we have one of the many charts we have is a minimum vectoring altitude chart which shows us uh, all the different various sectors in the local environment and what minimum altitude we can descend to. Now the controller also has that so he should uh, be aware of that and won't descend you lower than that but it's worth keeping an eye on. Now it's not always possible to maintain a positive radar control. What if for some reason the radar has a malfunction it breaks down that day or there are some parts of the world where it's just not feasible or possible to have radar coverage. So I'm thinking on trans-oceanic routes, so across the Pacific, across the Atlantic, you just can't have the radar coverage. So the, the fallback, if you like, to radar control service is a procedural service, which is it's all done on timings. Basically, you'll contact ATC, you'll enter your, you know, your NATS route, your North Atlantic track route for instance or your uh, pacific ocean crossing you'll follow a predefined route and air traffic control will then make sure that all aircraft as they enter are being maintained on a time-based system so the next aircraft behind you will be at least generally typically will be at least 10 minutes behind you or 10 minutes in front of you and that's also the fallback uh, if the radar fails you know so if for some odd reason all the radars in the uk suddenly stopped working we can still continue provided we've got two-way radio communication with air traffic control we can still carry on on a procedural service so we'll just follow those arrival routings Uh, we'll give air traffic control our etas at various points and we'll need to stick to those pretty damn accurately and then atc can then manage the whole thing purely based on time and speeds imc instrument meteorological conditions we can still fly the arrival routes on a procedural service. And we can also use this sort of procedural service when we're flying into some of the smaller airfields around the country that perhaps don't have radar, or if we're flying outside controlled airspace, for instance, on an IFR flight plan. Now what we could do, we've got a couple of options there. We could either cancel our IFR or request a visual approach and just, you know, if we can see out the window and see the airfield, we can just fly a visual approach. But if we're in IMC, instrument meteorological conditions, then we still need to be able to fly an instrument approach and we can use these procedural approaches whereby we'll report our position at various points and air traffic control will then sequence us in with all the other traffic. And now at this point, I was going to go into talking about air traffic services outside controlled airspace. But since I've been rabbiting on now for over 10 minutes, perhaps I'll close this segment here and we'll carry on next week and look at air traffic control services outside controlled airspace. So for now, I'll leave it at that and say take care to you all and hand you back over to Carlos and Matt in the studio. Take care, everyone. Pilot Pip signing off.
1: Well, thank you, Pip. Indeed. Absolutely fantastic. Another segment uh, on the on the cards as usual ready I, for next week I
0: remember I remember watching the. They, I think the BBC One had a, a programme about the making of radar wasn't it when it was used mm. for the very first was it World War 2 or World War 1 that they
1: used no, radar no, early World War 2 yeah and yeah there yeah. yeah, massive right. radar things yeah and on I think Eddie
0: Ed Isard was, was mm. one of the lead characters in that and I remember watching that and I just think it's such an amazing form of technology I mean obviously yeah.
1: it's far more refined than, than and the saved exam- many lives oh yeah, yeah No, it's yeah. been amazing it's no amazing. but thanks Pip for that yeah. bringing us that segment again fantastic as always and don't forget, you can find uh, Pilot Pip over at his podcast, yes. on the Plane Safety Podcast. Indeed. Each week, he gets uh, he tries to get a uh, show out each week. And uh, Pip covers all bits of uh, information on safety and flying. So follow him on iTunes and download Pip's show. And we'll be meeting Pip as well at Ria oh, this I can't year. Wait. I genuinely can't wait. I genuinely can't wait. So the air show calendar mm-hmm. for uh, this, uh, this month, June. We're nearly at the end of June. I know. I know. So for uh, for July, yes, we'll do a few of the big ones in July. Um, so on the fifth of July, mm. uh, we've got the Shuttleworth Military Pageant Airshow at Old Warden, Bedfordshire, mm. and First World War aircraft as well as Second World War aircraft. There'll be some stuff on the ground as well, tanks, uh, replica tanks from the world from the World War Two. Laris and it'll also be um, the Battle of Britain Memorial flight will be there. Ah, uh, yes. With the Spitfire, Supermarine Spitfire, the Avril Vulcan yeah. uh, will, is, will be there as well. And, um, there'll also be a Yak 50 in the display as well. Mm, fifth, or
0: also on the same day, there's, uh, uh, one in Manchester's Manchester Air Show, City, Ooh. City Airport, Eccles, Manchester. Uh, Greater Manchester's Flying Display, our 2014 Aviation and Family Fun Day event was a resounding success with the return of an organized flying display to the Greater Manchester area. The initial feedback has been fantastic and it seems the event was enjoyed by everybody. So participating aircraft, they've got a, they've got a Boeing Chinook uh seats uh HC4 uh, Battle of Britain Memorial Flight again. Um, so there's all sorts of uh, Lancaster's, Hurricanes, Spitfires, uh, and uh, all sorts in there. Gyro air displays um, from the Rvators. That's very clever, isn't it? Oh, that's a clever play on words. Rvators, yes, yeah. very good. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah, so that that one's going to be worth uh, Ooh, a look. Look,
1: but... look who's displaying there. Who's that? The lovely Lauren Richardson ah, yes. in her little um, in her pit special. In her pit special. Yeah, here, bless oh. her. That'll be definitely one to watch then. Yeah. Oh, when is Seething? Seething's not till September. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because I
0: panicked for a minute. I thought we'd missed it. No, we haven't missed no, it. No. Yeah. Okay. that's All right. So
1: on the eleventh of June. Yeah. Uh, sorry, July. Eleventh of July. Uh, the Royal Naval Air Service Yeovilton International Air Day at mm. Somerset. Uh, there's going to be a five-hour flying display mm. uh, here, um, operated by historic and classical or classic and modern aircraft types. Mm. Um, Yeovilton based Commando Sea King and Lynx helicopters, other maritime squadrons will demonstrate their capabilities in the infamous commando assault demonstration with plenty of pyrotechnics. Um, <laughs> there's also going to be a huge list of aircraft participating <clears throat> there. Um, yes. there's too many to mention. If you go yeah. on to the air show, uh, airshows.org, yeah. UK Air-shows air, yeah, UK. you can, uh, you can find mm. all the participating aircraft there, but uh, it's a huge amount yeah. there. Uh, And on the 11th of July as well, yes, there's the Battle of uh, Britain ball and air show that's at Headcorn
0: Aerodrome in Kent. And and obviously, as this is the 75th anniversary of the Battle of Britain, they celebrate in style at the Battle of Britain Ball and Air Show. Starting at midday, the site will open with attractions for all the family, which includes flight experiences, a fun fair and stalls late afternoon and early evening. Uh, Enjoy our Battle of Britain display featuring representative aircraft of the Battle of Britain era. So uh, loads of uh, um, aircraft again so obviously you've got the m- memorial flight itself so you've got uh, hurricanes spitfires um, and uh, all sorts going on there sorry he's uh, trying to T6 Tech T6 what's well. awesome. awesome. one of those that's Not quite a- quite a lot of trainer aircraft yeah, yeah. so that, that's definitely worth a visit lots
1: of aircraft there and uh, good family day I think mm-hmm. that one for and that one. another Extremely good one to visit as well on the 11th and 12th of yes. July is mm. the Flying Legends Air Show ah. at the Imperial War Museum yes. at Duxford in Cambridgeshire. Yes. The Flying Ed- Legends Air Show is famous around the world for its unique presentations of historic Prispaire Piston aircraft uh, in rare combinations and remarkable flying displays. Mm. There's a huge list of participating yeah, aircraft for uh, the Flying Legends Air Show. There is a huge amount to go through. There's, there's uh, P-40, uh, Curtis P-40s. Uh, Supermarine Spitfires B25 Mitchell that'll be good seeing there the Flying Bulls the P51 Mustangs there'll be Spitfires Hawker Sea Furies the Sally B the B17 G Flying Fortress will be there as well also one of the ones that I really want to see the Bristol Blenheim Mm. is going to be there as well because I've watched that being uh, restored in the hangar at uh, Duxford Uh, there'll be Messerschmitt 109s Gloucester Gladiators uh, Curtis P36 Seahawks and uh, I mean, there is there's just low. There is a huge uh, Grumman Bearcats. Right. Um, uh, the Hawk and uh, Nimrod will be on display, um, and uh, there's just there's huge amounts of aircraft mm-hmm. there. That's going to be one of the bigger um, shows closer to us. Yeah, uh, I think uh, for July, indeed. And also another one near us on the same day, on the 11th yeah. and 12th, is the Country Hall Fair yeah. at Suffolk. That's another one, and. On the 17th and 19th of July. That would be the Royal International Air Tattoo at Fairford, <laughs> funnily enough. Uh, which
0: uh, But we'll go into to greater detail with that, obviously, yeah. in next week's show. But yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a massive... Uh, that's going to be our big review, I think, yeah. uh, of yeah, what's for coming year. up yeah. for, for, um,
1: for the tattoo. Um, we'll cover that in great detail next week. Yeah, so we've got a couple of bits of uh, listener feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had an email from Steve Marciano... Uh, if you remember Steve, our uh, friend across the across the pond. Oh, is it definitely across the he's pond? He's definitely okay, across good. the pond, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he emailed us back, uh, if you remember Jenny, um, one of our T-shirt wearers, mm. Jenny uh, sent a, a question about the noise she heard um, when she was uh, waiting to push yes, back from the yeah. gate. Uh, so Steve uh, emailed us and um, he's uh, said that... Uh, He's fairly uh, um, confident that it's the hydraulic um, power unit, power transfer unit, that makes the uh, the funny noise on the uh, aircraft. Mm. And um, he's he's just said there that uh, he's pretty confident that is the a, a hydraulic PTU power transfer unit. Mm. Um, he only knows the noise from flight simming, but there are videos on YouTube that show part and sound very well. <laughs> so there we go, Jenny, if you're listening, um, that's uh, that's probably what that noise is mm. also um we have had an email from uh philip labe uh, i hope i've pronounced your surname right philip uh he uh, sent us an email about uh the tristars the former raf tristars six of them returning to service uh he also sent us a link on uh, to look at that uh, which i'll have to post that link on mm, the facebook two. page yeah. Uh, a link to those uh the tri stars which are being returned to service uh which I found obviously very very interesting indeed uh we had an email from Grant McCarran B. over at the plain uh, crazy down under podcast he's definitely that, and uh Grant was just coming on the fact that uh we were talking remember in the, in the last episode about uh waiting to get off the plane when you're taxiing after you've landed yes. and everyone immediately yeah, yeah. taking off their seatbelts the rush. minute yes. the wheels touch the ground and uh, Grant was just saying that he, uh, he quite, uh, finds it quite uh, amusing when uh, people fall over when the uh, crew have to tap the brakes on the <laughs> aircraft uh, when they're still taxiing yes. and uh, he, apparently Grant's routine is that he keeps, uh, he keeps reading and waiting and when most of the passengers are off he gets his gear and goes to chat with the tech crew the cat that's pretty, a pretty much what I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he gives Am I a... the only one out of all the people that I speak to who, who literally cannot wait to get off the? No, no, no. He he, uh, he even gives him his magazines that he's finished reading, and he has a chat about flying. And he's usually mm. the last one off the plane, mm. off the actual plane. Very good, Grant. That is the same as me. I agree. Yes. Um, <laughs> and also, Grant did follow on with that, saying that um, that noise uh, that Jenny was on about, yeah. that we were just talking about, um, maybe this. Sort Soaring wood noise, um, and he said it's the power transfer unit, uh, which is also referred to as the barking dog. Oh, okay. Um, And he's also sent us a link uh, about the power transfer unit as well. Oh, splendid! We we shall stick that on the Facebook page as well. Yes, yeah. And uh, just lastly, we had a email from Ray. Mm. Um, We had this email. When did we get this email? We got this email yesterday. Mm. Uh, We had an email from Ray. Doesn't say uh, where you're from, Ray. And uh, he uh, just says, "Hope we're all well. Hope the move went well. Yes, it did, just about." <laughs> um, and got, he said, "Hope we got the internet connected." Yeah, we did after a week and a half. Yes,
0: yes. Um, and a little bit of
1: technical wizardry <laughs> when 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 I turned up. But uh... and he's uh, he's sent us a YouTube link um, which uh, shows a well, it's 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 a it's a it's a compilation video um, from a a model sort of air, aircraft uh, mm. thing at RF Cosford, um, which look I haven't had a chance to look at that yet, but it looks yeah. really good on the actual screenshot we've got here. But I'll have to put that on um, yeah. on the Facebook page. Thanks for that, Ray. Indeed. Actually, while you're on that, I,
0: I, I, I spotted something. It was on BBC Breakfast, of all places. I posted it on the uh, Facebook page. And if you haven't had a, a chance to look at it, you must. It, it's basically, the, the, I don't know what the actual planes are. You might be able to tell me the... Uh, um, oh, the, the Red Bull ones. The Red Bull one. Yeah, and yeah, they flew yeah. literally wingtip to wingtip and they flew through this hangar. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Um, which is on the Facebook page, so uh, make sure you have a look at that as well. On that note, to get in touch with the show, uh, lots of ways to do that. Obviously, with the Facebook page, it's, uh, it's pl- uh, facebook.com forward slash Plain talking UK. Twitter, it's twitter.com forward slash Plain talking UK. And don't forget the website, it is www.plaintalkinguk.com. Use the links, contact the
1: show, get mm. your messages out yeah. to us there. And just as a quick note, it's the Extra 300. That's the aircraft at the Red Bull. Oh, ah, cool. Through yeah, the, yeah, yeah, uh, the, uh, butt, the, um, yeah. The hangar there. Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. So that's where we're going to bring episode 65 <laughs> to a close of yes. the Plane Talking UK podcast. Uh, thanks ever so much for listening. We do really love the feedback we get from you guys, yep. and uh, we get more and more all the time now. It's really good, yeah. Uh, and love all the feedback and yep. all the likes and and everything on and follows on coming, Twitter. Keep them keep coming, them coming yeah. and keep your feedback coming. We really do want to hear from you and we're going to be back next week for episode 66. Yeah. And um, my personal
0: thanks to Pip as always for his excellent uh, Oh yes, yes, excellent segment. And uh, yes, looking forward to meeting you at
1: React, can't wait. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So that's it then from the studio for this week. So for me, Carlos, it's a relaxing Sunday for definite because I'm very tired. Yes. Goodbye. And for me, it's oh, I'm home just in time for dinner,
2: can't wait.
0: Okay. Goodbye.
1: <laughs>
2: okay then. <laughs> Bye everyone. <laughs> Bye.